Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm really excited about this one. We're going to get to talk about the joint practices, 49ers and Minnesota Vikings. But I have to say thank you so much to SG Sports Talk channel for joining the Cutback crew and becoming a channel member. Thank you so much. And uh, this is going to be a good one. I'm excited to talk about this team and what is going on out there in Minnesota. I think everyone's excited about that. And I've seen chat already getting populated with some good stuff. Uh, it's always nice when the, the cutback crew is out. Uh, Juanito was uh, having fun um, with some things that were going on. And and Joel said, just seen that beautiful dime from Lance to Gray. Yet again, this is uh, this time over Patrick Peterson. Yeah, one-on-ones, uh, Danny Gray definitely got after it. It was, uh, it, it was a nice pass. It was a nice throw. And Danny Gray continues to show off that tremendous speed that he has, which is Really nice for the 49ers because they needed that guy that was going to be able to get vertical and take the top off. Now, in this episode, we're going to go through a lot of things that came out of this joint practice with the Minnesota Vikings, including hearing a little bit from Trey Lance and how he attacks uh, or why he attacks defenses the way he does. And also George Kittle about their relationship with Trey Lance. Those are going to be good as well. What is up, Joel Andrews? I hope you're having a good one. Uh, Traffic, welcome to chat. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. And, and what is up, Michael Humphrey? Welcome back. Uh, says miss the last few podcasts. It's okay. It's a busy, t- busy time out there, but we're going to get into this, and this is going to be a good one. And you know, I I went through and compiled as much information as I could from a bunch of reliable sources. I even got into some of the Minnesota Vikings uh, Twitter and reports that were coming out of that, which were vastly different from what we were getting from the 49ers uh, writers and also Brad Graham from the SF Niners, who was there. Uh, going over what was going on at practice. And so there was some a few things that were exciting that we got to see. 
And then there were some things, you know, that maybe you know, the four years need to continue to work on. Um, but, you know, they have had some things that happened in practice. And I don't know how many people, I'm sure almost everyone has seen now Danny Gray win deep with the big pass uh, that it definitely lit up everyone. It was exciting to see him beat Patrick Peterson. Of course, Peterson is not as fast as he used to be, but this is just a continuation of what Danny Gray provides to this offense. I think that's number one. Uh, but second was the fact, I don't know how many people saw the video of Javon Kinlaw absolutely dominating the Vikings starting left guard, putting him on his butt right in front of the quarterback. It was impressive. It was good to see Javon Kinlaw just in there, you know, wreaking havoc and making plays from that defensive line spot. And I believe the healthier he gets, the more exciting uh, this team is going to get because him being on the inside and with Ebucom and Bose on the outside next to Armstead, which another thing we're going to have to get into in one second, is going to be one of the better defensive line groups in the entire NFL, if not by the time Kinlaw gets healthy and, and comfortable, the best defensive line. And the reason I said we have to get into something is Eric Armstead was back out there getting in a little work. Uh, him and Emmanuel Mosley were suited up, of course, going through you know drills and that sort of thing. So that's an exciting revelation as well as Eric Armstead inches closer to being able to come back. Those are all good things that came out of joint practices today, which I'm super excited about. Joel says, what up, Ant? Been a long time since I've watched you guys. What happened to your other partner? I forgot his name, but the dude with the long face and the big chin. I think you're talking about Alex. Uh, Alex is on a little bit of a break right now. He has a lot of personal life things going on. He switched jobs. Uh, he's getting married in October. So Alex is going ahead and handling personal things, which means I get to handle the podcast, but I'm enjoying it. I really have been enjoying and, uh, you know, interacting with everyone. So welcome back, Joel. Always nice to have you in chat and have you interacting. This is going to be a fun one. And what's up, Shylock? I hope you're having a good one as well. Shylock says, yo, yo. Traffic says, yo, yo. Uh, so it's a good one. But yeah, some of this information that's coming out is pretty good. You know, I mean, there's good things that are coming out. And then, of course, uh, another thing that's coming up that uh, I wanted to bring up because we've had so much conversation about this interior offensive line. And I was one of the ones that jumped on the Nick Zakel bandwagon very early coming out of the draft, talking about Zakel could eventually play center. And people kept coming to me and saying, you know what, though? Zakel's not taking any reps in OTAs. Zakel's not taking any uh, reps in at you know a training camp. And they were right. You know, he wasn't. And uh, I've always thought that Nick Zakel could potentially be a long-term answer at the center position. I liked his skill set. I liked his intelligence. I thought those things translated very much to Kyle Shanahan's system. And we've been talking about marrying a young center to Trey Lance for the remainder of Trey Lance's you know, time in the league. This could be that opportunity. And guess what, guys? Revel Here it came. Uh, Nick Zakel took snaps for the first time since I know I've seen it uh, all throughout training camp. So Zakel started getting in some work. They didn't have Sutherland getting work in this drill, but they had Brendel. They had Donovan West, and they had Nick Zakel. So Nick Zakel getting his first snaps, something to monitor as they move forward and see what Zakel ends up doing. If he gets any reps in this Minnesota Vikings game, that could be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, let's see what happens. It's finally happening. Nick Zakel finally getting those reps, uh, and I think that's good news for the 49ers. Ultimately, you want that versatility, and he does have the versatility to be able to play all five positions. So... I'm definitely excited about that. Um, Eric Dane says, I wonder if Alex is going to end up in his wedding reception speech with, and remember the right way is always the 49ers way. That would be a good way. 
That would be a really good way to do it, Eric. I like that one. Paul says, which of our starting defensive line you decide to double team? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. It's not going to be easy to be able not to uh, double team one of those guys. And what's up, San Francisco? Welcome to chat. It's not going to be easy because if you go ahead and you double team Nick Bosa, which is the smart way to go because singling him up is just dangerous, you're probably going to free up somebody else. And if you do what some of the league was doing last year as far as double teaming Eric Armstead as well, that means one-on-one -on, -one on the other side. Last year, Arden Key took advantage of those situations and he really got after it. And that Arden Key role is so important for this 49ers defense. So seeing him uh, you know, be able to handle a double team as well means they're going to free up some things on the other side for Ebucom and then potentially Charles Aminahue, who's playing inside on obvious pass downs. That's a scary proposition. Those are four really good you know, uh, pass rushers that can get after you. I'm, I'm excited about that part of the 49ers defense for sure. And you have so much depth that if it's not a Minahue and Ebucom, it could be Drake Jackson and Jordan Willis. You have Kerry Hyder. That could be a part of that. Or you could just leave Javon Kinlaw in there because K Javon Kinlaw has the athletic ability to be able to pass rush or at least collapse this pocket on top of a quarterback. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that defensive line group. And Paul makes a good point. Who are you going to double team? You can't double team them all. And if you try to, uh, more than likely, somebody's going to be coming free because the 49ers could definitely bring a blitz in that situation. And if you're not leaking out a running back as you know, somebody to be able to check down to um, and he's in for pass, you're probably going to be able to make a play. Uh, what's up, Marvin? Welcome to chat. Marvin says, what's up? Um, what is up to everyone that's been uh, jumping into chat? Uh, it's, a, it's a really good group in there right now. We're going to continue to go through you know, the news and things that happened out at training, uh, out at uh, joint practices with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, what was interesting was who the 49ers decided to start today. Um, they decided to start you know, a veteran cornerback that they signed last week, Ken Crowley. He came in and he started, and then Diometer Lenore. And I'm sure most people have probably already seen now the video of Diometer Lenore you know, getting beat on a stop route. It was a blitz that the 49ers were coming with. The blitz didn't get home. Uh, Justin Jefferson breaks it off really early, makes a catch. Demo misses the tackle, and it's a touchdown. I think part of the reason that you put a King Crowley and Demo in those sorts of roles, and they'll probably roll with different guys tomorrow, probably Ombre Thomas, uh, maybe Kedar Holman tomorrow, is the fact that you want to see them go against those number one corners and really evaluate their skill set and how good they actually are. You don't want them consistently playing against twos and threes. Play them against the ones. Let's see what they could do if they were tasked with going against these players that are really, really good. So I like the fact that they're rotating, the fact that George Odom was getting a lot of work today, and George Odom had a nice interception as well out of the secondary. Um, and I think that's one thing. Odom's going to continue to push. The question is, can you start Odom and Tauno Hufanga next to each other? That's definitely seems like two strong safety types. I don't know if they could go with that grouping. I think they want it to be Tarverius Moore and Tauno Hufanga that start with Jimmy Ward potentially missing the first couple of games. But George Odom's going to go out there and push. You know, and Kyle Shannon said just last week, or actually it was just this week, that he expected to bring in a couple of players to be able to compete at the safety position. I'm still expecting it to be somebody like Tavon Wilson. We'll see what happens there. We know Dante Johnson is also a guy that's going to be competing uh, for that role because he's a guy with that versatility. He's he's literally the one Kyle Shannon is talking about when he said they let Dar Denard go because they have another guy at the safety position that can step in and fill that that role. So to me, that makes a lot of sense uh, for the 49ers. And I want to get make sure I don't miss anything from chat. 
Uh, Marvin Rose says, Lance hooked up with Gray again. Peterson was on him, uh, and he just scooted by. Yeah, that's the one-on-one -on -one drills. You know, I mean, one-on-one, um, -on -one, uh, it's a little bit difficult, but uh, that, that's tough on, on defenders, but Danny Gray's speed is elite. Um, and then SG Sports Talk channel says, thoughts on Kittle. So far, I've loved Kittle. Um, and how would you rate Kittle on a scale of 1 to 10? I love Kittle from what I've seen at training camp. He continues to play at a high level. I, I think right now, I mean, Kittle has been, uh, he's been continuing his all-pro status. So I would probably put Kittle at a 9 right now. I think at times he, you know, he does look like he favors his legs, you know, his feet at some points. Uh, but overall, he looks really good. He's still a fantastic blocker. He runs good routes. I think those are things that he does really well. So I'm excited about, you know, what he does. And since we're talking about Kittle, let's listen to what Kittle had to say about Trey Lance. I thought this was very interesting, talking about those two hooking up and the relationship between them. Oh, it's been uh, it's been great, actually. Uh, a lot of reps in these last, like, week and a half. So it's been really fun connecting a lot of plays. Um and again, it's it's a it's a learning process. You know, you have to learn. I run routes a little bit differently than he, probably what he's used to, and so uh, we're just getting on the same page with some of like the main routes that we run. And uh, I think we're getting a little bit better at those each day. So there you go. Kittle, you know, is is talking a lot about uh, that relationship and just you know them getting used to each other. And he talks about Trey getting used to the way that George Kittle runs routes, and that's one thing that's important is he's got to continue to build relationships with these other guys. Um, and now building a relationship with George Kittle, we know he has that relationship, you know, already um, with Brandon Ayuk, and he's developing it with George Kittle and with Debo Samuel, and that's going to come. But what I have seen from him is a willingness to be able to get the ball wherever he needs to get it. And that's one thing I like in a quarterback. I mean, uh, it was Colin Kaepernick, you know, who used to turn to uh, Crabtree a lot. I mean, they had a, a certain relationship, and anytime he needed to, he went to Crabtree. I think that Trey has that with Brandon Ayuk, but I think he's going to continue to be able to get the ball out wherever he needs to get it. So uh, I really like that they're continuing to work on that. And, and there was even more conversation from George Kittle in that in that press conference where he talked about the fact him and Trey just need to sit down and continue to work, continue to watch film together, which I think they're going to continue to do. I really do like uh, that relationship that they're going to build. And George Kittle's a veteran. He's going to make sure he has a good relationship with the young quarterback. So uh, that is definitely so exciting. Marvin Rose said, Kittle's a 10. Yeah. And what's up, Freddie McTray? Welcome to chat. Um, I, I think so. You know, I think Kittle's up there. I'm I'm giving him a nine just uh, so he has room to to grow and prove us a little bit wrong. And then San Francisco John says, Kittle's a 15. Love that. Uh, Abel says, who will be the quarterback number two? It's going to be Nate Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld has looked uh, the most comfortable. He's looked the best all throughout training camp. Uh, he looked good in the game as well. I think he has a real understanding and full control of the offense when he's in. And you want a guy that can come in and compete and potentially win football games for you. Uh, you, you know, he can't win a lot of games for you. That's why he's a backup and not a starter in this league. Um, but he could definitely win some. And I think that's what you're trying to get out of that backup quarterback position. And that's why Nate Sudfeld's that guy. Plus, I do believe he's a nice veteran presence for Trey Lance. I think they have a really good relationship together, and I think that's going to continue to blossom throughout the season. But he can turn to Nate Sudfeld and ask Sudfeld any questions that he needs to, and Sudfeld will have the answers. He's a, a proven veteran. You know, He can come in and get it done. So I think Sudfeld's that guy. I don't think you want the two young guys with Purdy being in the room as well. I think Purdy ends up being on the practice squad. 
But I do like what Purdy's done so far. I think Purdy's definitely developed, and I'm excited to see that. So uh, I really, I really enjoy that, and I think we're going to see more cool stuff as well. Uh, Traffic says the energy Kittle brings to this team is next level too. Yeah, you probably can't measure that, right? You can't measure that. Um, the the energy that he brings. There's a few players that when they show up out there, they just absolutely, you know, get things going. And he's one of them. Debo Samuel as well with some of the plays that he's made and, and things like that. And uh, Milo, Alex is uh, taking care of some personal stuff. So that's why he's not around right now. He's got a new job. He's getting married in October. Um, so that that's what's going on with Alex. Um, Juanito says, the rapport concerns me a bit, especially with Kittle, who is being uh, going to be his main target, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to continue to work on this. I think the good news is they have, you know, the rest of this week, which tomorrow will be another telling you know, story, how they handle going against a very good Viking secondary and a veteran Viking secondary, but you're going to see growth there. You're also going to see growth uh, as they continue throughout the weeks. They'll probably have a dress rehearsal game against the Houston Texans now that you're not going to have any play uh, for Trey Lance in this game. Kyle was pretty clear about that. Trey Lance isn't going to play. Trey Lance isn't playing, I'm sure. A lot of the veteran starters aren't going to play as well, which means you're going to have a lot of young guys, which is okay. Uh, those young guys definitely need the reps. That's another reason they moved on from like a Dark West Denard and a Robert Kimdiche to give these young guys opportunities to play and prove themselves. And I think that's a really nice way to go about it. They want to make sure these guys have the opportunity. But um, there's there's almost 30 days until the first game. That's a lot of time to be able to create a rapport. And George Kittle works with Trey Lance You know, during special teams drills. They go work together. Um, he works with him after practice as well. I think they continue to work, you know, together to get that. And I've seen it already start developing with Debo Samuel. And there has been moments where he's done, it, especially in the red zone with George Kittle, as the season progresses and he gets more used to George Kittle's uh, body language and the way he runs his routes. I think you're going to see those guys develop a better chemistry, especially since Trey said the game is starting to slow down for him. That's exciting, right? The game is starting to slow down, which I absolutely love. So. I think that's what you want from, you know, your quarterback and tight end is for them to eventually get it together. Um, but it, it's nice. It's nice. Of uh, SG Sports Talk says, what are your thoughts on the home opener between the Seahawks and the 49ers at Levi's? And what do you think the score will be and how many yards will Lance throw for? Um, I do believe that the 49ers are, are going to end up beating the Seahawks in that game. I think the Seahawks are really young. I like a lot of their players. I think they have a lot of talent, especially that they got in this draft. Um, I mean, just absolutely fantastic edge rushers, including Boy Mafia that they got. But also, you know, big cornerbacks are going to be able to do some things here pretty soon, you know, with a Kobe Bryant and players like that. So I think the development will come for Seattle, but this is a year the four years can definitely get them. I don't expect it to be an absolute blowout, depending on what we get out of Seattle's quarterback. But I do think the 49ers win this game. I think they win pretty comfortably. Um, so I think it's going to be a good one for the 49ers. I'm not going to put an absolute... Uh, you know, yardage on what Trey Lance does, because I think Trey Lance is going to hover, you know, between 200 and 230 yards pretty much all year because they're going to be a run first football team with Lance taking advantage of play action. So I think that's kind of where he's going to hover, but I don't know for sure what those yards are going to be. And BV says, and I'm glad to see video sound bites on the cutback uh, channel. Good vibes. Yeah. I'm trying to add some extra stuff here and there. I found a couple of ones that I really wanted to uh, bring forth. I, I think that everyone would enjoy. I have another one coming up from Trey Lance, which I thought was very important and telling. And in fact, we'll get into that right now because Trey Lance was asked about, you know, getting rapport and throwing to certain players 
And he kind of said, wait, I don't, you know, I don't pick guys to throw to. Here's what he said about the coverage. I thought it, it gave a really good uh, idea of what his mindset is when he's out. I mean, playing football, I mean, it's kind of throwing where the defense tells me to throw the ball uh, more than I don't kind of just go back and pick a guy. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, finding rhythm, uh, missed a big one with George and a big one with Debo today. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are great things to go back and watch on tape um, and just talk through with those guys. I mean, Trey Lance just gets me excited about football because that's what you want from a young player. I mean, the way that they go about handling a business is is very cool. Um, I love the way that he approaches that because that's the mindset you want from a quarterback. I'm not going out there and picking a certain receiver that I'm going to go target. No, the defense is going to dictate what I do, and then I'm going to get the ball out to that open receiver. That's the thought process you have to have as a quarterback. And for a young guy to already have grasped that, and then to be able to say it is important. Uh, and sometimes you know, you would say, well, maybe he's just saying that. But we've seen that expressed. Uh, so I've been excited about the way he goes about his business. Trey Lance is uh, going to be a fine player. And I've seen that development continue through training camp. I've been really excited about it. So, yeah, I mean, he gets me pumped up because I just see that potential growth that can come from Trey Lance. And I think that's the way to go. And, and that's what he's shown so far in camp. It doesn't matter if it's Kittle or B.A. or or Debo, or if he needs to check down, he's going to get the ball to the guy that is going to do the best for his football team. That's overall what you want. I mean, that's when you start seeing quarterbacks go through progressions and boom, get the ball where you want it to get. So I think that's an exciting thing that's coming from Trey Lance. And I think he's going to get a rapport with all these guys. And midway through the year, these guys are going to start firing on all cylinders. Brandon West says, I wonder how often the 49ers will utilize, have Debo, B.A., Kittle, and Gray at the same time. Seems like a devastating combination. There's going to be a lot of really cool combinations, Brandon. I really do believe so because they've put together a an interesting group of guys who have different talents that Kyle Shanahan can be able to use. Uh, so I, I love it. I love the fact that they're going to be able to use these guys in a variety of different ways, and each guy has a little bit of a different skill set. I mean, nobody's like Debo Samuel, right? He can line up anywhere. He can go ahead and create uh, more than anyone with the ball in his hands that's on this football team. I don't think anyone can argue that yak-wise, he's the best in the business. Uh, but then you've got Brent Ayuk, who's getting better and better at running routes and is going to be able to win one-on-ones, probably the best out of any of the wide receivers on the team. When you throw in the fact that you're going to have a guy like Ray Ray McLeod, who excels in certain routes, including out routes, corner routes, but can also run things in the backfield, run fly sweeps, uh, play, you know, ghost motions, get some attention going his way. I think those are added aspects you didn't have because you didn't want Brandon to be able to have to do those. Then you throw in Jawan Jennings, great catch potential to be able to battle, get first downs, doing the things that he needs to do, the dirty work, also blocking. And then you add Danny Gray, which the 49ers was a missing piece. They haven't had that speedster that was able to take the top off the defense, but still able to do other, a variety of other things. They've put together probably the best unit of wide receivers I've seen them have so far. Tremendous depth. And each one of them have an interesting skill set that Kyle Shanahan is going to want to use in his offense. This is going to be an exciting year. And as long as these guys all stay healthy and Trey continues to develop, we're going to have an explosive offense. And I think everyone can get really excited about that. Eric Dane says, I can see games where Kittle is the main target. Games where it's Debo, Ayuk, even some games where it's Gray and McLeod go off. Taking advantage of those matches, matchups. The same way that Trey Lance was talking about the way he goes about reading a defense and that's who, how it dictates who gets the football. That's the same way that Kyle Shanahan approaches defense. Uh, when he's attacking a defense, you take what the defense gives you. 
If they're going to play off and allow you to run the football, you run the football. If they're going to come into the box and give you opportunities down the field, get the ball down the field. And so I think that's one thing that Kyle Shanahan does very well. And I think now with the skill set of the players that he's got, a variety of different players, not just the quarterback. I think it did accelerate you know, the offense with the quarterback, being able to do a few extra things than maybe his predecessor as far as extending the play and also taking the top off of the vertical game. I think also these wide receivers is probably the best skill set. I think even with these wide receivers, Jimmy Garoppolo would have played even better than he played last year and in 2019. So uh, adding players around these guys is important. Of course, having a rookie pay scale doesn't hurt either. So I really do like that. The CEO says, who do you see as the backup fullback? Dwelly? Hope Poe makes the roster just to keep uh, getting opportunities. I think as far as backup fullback, it will continue to be the tight ends. Uh, of course, you'll have Josh Hockett more than likely on the practice squad. He could come in and take that role if you needed him to. So I think Hockett's still going to be available. But the way they've had the tight ends playing in the backfield all throughout training camp, we've seen every one of them from Kittle all the way to Fumagalli. Everyone in between do that. Charlie Warner also had some snaps at fullback here in the NFL with the Niners, but also in Georgia. He was used that way a lot. So they have a lot of players that can do it and handle it. That's probably why they went ahead and released Josh Hokett. Um, that way they could go ahead and, and use some of these tight ends in that role. So, I mean, you have to make cuts, tough cuts. And when you have injuries at certain positions and you have to worry about depth, uh, you have to make some interesting cuts early. But I think that's where we're going. Um, KNDR says, glad to see the acknowledgement of the, of the chief in the stream. He does a pretty good job. Uh, Twisted Clown says, hi, Ant. How many sacks do you see the starting line getting? I really think it's going to be an impressive number. I know they've been getting in the 40s. I would not be surprised to see the 49ers get into 50s this year. I really think this is going to be an explosive group. And I think part of the reason I think it's going to be so explosive is because I think Kinlaw and Armstead are going to do a really good job, with, especially with these linebackers, being able to stop the run on early downs. You're able to create third and longs. I think this defense is going to be able to get after it. You add the fact you have Charverius Ward and a better secondary you're probably going to get an extra half a second, extra second at times for this defensive line to get after it. So I expect there to be right around 50 or a little over 50 sacks for this defense. Uh, I just think the line's going to get it done, man. I really do. I like the, the defensive line and the makeup of it a lot. I think they've put together a really good group. And what's up, Ernest? Welcome to chat. Um, glad to see you made it through on the chat. So I hope it's going good. Uh, and it's good to see all the good vibes in chat right now. Everyone's having conversations and really getting into it. And Joel Kaepernick-Russell says... Do you think Brandon Ayuk can be wide receiver one? Yeah, I think he can. You know, I, I really do. Now, I think when it comes down to it, Kyle Shanahan doesn't look at his wide receiver room as a one, a two, a three, a four, a five. I think a lot of times that's how, you know, us as as fans and, and even, you know, outside personalities look at it. They want to rate these guys. I think when Kyle looks at them, he looks at a certain skill set. And so he uses them in a variety of different ways. Now, because Debo and Brandon Ayuk are the playmakers that they are, they are one and two or one A and one B. I think they do different things. So you can kind of evaluate them however you want. Um, but I think that's, I don't think there is a one and two, but I think on a lot of teams, Brandon Ayuk, especially after what you guys, uh, what we get to see this year in, in the game, I think Brandon Ayuk ends up being a number one caliber. And I think the Niners will have two number one caliber wide receivers for a, a couple years now between him and Debo. I think it's going to be exciting to watch. I really do. Um, I'm excited about uh, Ayuk's development. The way he's ran routes has been fantastic in training camp. Uh, he was aggressive. I mean, he, when they were talking about him running his routes, this is the best route running I've ever seen from him. 
just really excited about Brandon Ayuk's development. Uh, Eric Gaines says, if anyone's going to be the main target, I think we'll end up being Ayuk because of the skill set and the chemistry he built with Trey in the offseason. It could be. It depends also if defenses decide to try to bracket coverage him. If they try to bracket and take him away, which I don't know why you would do that because then you're probably going to leave George Kittle and Debo Samuel open. Uh, but if somebody decided they wanted to take Ayuk away, they could. They could try to do that. But there's just so many other options. And with the fact Danny Gray could take the top off on the other side, that'll leave a lot of um, open room for Debo and George Kittle to be able to operate underneath. So I think Ayuk could have a good year. In fact, I said before, I think he's going to get 1,000 yards this year. I won't be shocked to see him and Debo get 1,000 and Kittle to come real close. If they all got 3,000, that would be spectacular. Abel says, unpopular opinion. I really believe that Purdy will unseat Nate for number two spot. Take a look at his college highlights. Baller, love his college highlights, Abel. I think he does a really good job. I've been excited about Purdy so far. I just don't believe that he's going to be able to unseat Nate Sudfeld this year. Uh, could he after he gets you know more development? Yeah, but Nate the Great has been operating this offense, and I think they're really confident in what he does. So I think that relationship he has with Trey also helps him. So we'll see. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not going to hate on your opinion because I believe that uh, there's a possibility right now. He's on this roster and he's been playing well. So uh, yeah, why not, right? Uh, he could always make it happen. He says, do we have an idea how many potential starters may play special teams? Really excited to see how the game changes with enhanced unit. I don't know yet. I mean, we really don't. It's going to depend on what the makeup of this 53-man roster looks like. I think once we know that, then we'll have an idea of which starters are going to have to contribute on special teams. I do think it's going to be an emphasis for Kyle Shanahan and for Brian Schneider to be able to put the best available players. Now, you have to decide because those are reps. Uh, so you have to decide if you're able to take some of those reps away from a player on, you know, on their number on their teams on offense and defense. So it'll be a lot, you know, that has to go into that and they'll have to make a lot of decisions. And Schneider and Shanahan will have to sit down and figure that out. The good news is they have depth players all throughout this team that are tremendous on special teams. Whether that is George Odom, he's fantastic. Oren Burks, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, all those guys are going to be able to help. The one thing I do know so far is I don't think any of our starting linebackers are going to be helping on special teams. They haven't participated in any special teams drills pretty much the entire year of training camp. So I think there will be a couple of guys here or there, um, but I, I think it's going to be more limited because they've added so many really good depth players in special teams. Uh, so it's it's going to be fun. It really is. Uh, what's up, David Villa? Welcome to chat. I hope you're having a good one. Uh, throwing out there the Trey area, which I really like. Um, so, so well done on that one. Um, Juanito says, Trey is seeing very, very vanilla defense in preseason game. Do we know... If Minnesota is throwing different looks and disguises, yeah, actually, that's something Trey said. I wish I would have cut that as well. Um, Trey did say that he was seeing a, a different kind of defense, and they were showing a lot of disguises, and that the, the veteran players uh, were giving him different looks. And he thought that the fact he was going against veterans, and they had seen pretty much and done pretty much everything, um, yeah, I, I think that's what's going on. And I, I think this is really good. Uh, George Kittle said in his comments as well, that he believes joint practices are actually more important than the games. And I, I, I'm i with him. And if you've been on this channel, you know that's something I'm consistent about, is these were some of the most important times uh, for, for practice and for their development. And I think a lot of these young players are going to get better because of these practices with Minnesota. Anytime you don't have a team on your schedule, then you're able to work together. I think it's beneficial. And as the NFL continues to grow their regular season and eliminate preseason games, these are more and more pivotal. So I think joint practices go a long way, and 
yeah, I think it's going to help Trey immensely to be able to see, you know, different crew and different group. Uh, John, uh, San Francisco, will you all ever consider doing college? Yes. So, John, I'm I'm currently working on something in that regard. So once I know, I'll let you know. But, yeah, it's definitely been something uh, that we've been working on. What's up, Soleil? How are you doing? I hope you're having a good one as well. Um, yeah, and, and Juanito's in agreement. Sudfeld looked nice. I want the, the first training camp. He stood out to me. I feel like he's quarterback two on the lock for now. He definitely has looked good. Uh, 40 Air Fogies is loving Jordan Mason, says he's the bomb. Uh, Jordan Mason, I, I'm looking forward to seeing even more reps from Mason in this game. I think that's going to be really, really excited. Uh, I'm I'm definitely in that. Uh, Silverado, Ke uh, Kev, what's up? Bro, for real. And to add to what you said in terms of the D creating third and longs, I also feel the offense will see a lot of second and third shorts, bro. This is going to be fun to watch. Welcome, Silverado, by the way. I hope you're having a good day. And you're right. Uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. And I, with the offense seeing a lot of second and third and shorts, that means conversions, you know. And anytime you can win the third down uh, conversion rate in this league, you have an opportunity to win football games. And that's why Kyle Shannon brought in a runner like TDP for third and short situations to move those chains. So, yeah, I love that. And that, that was a really good take. Well done. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, so, says, Herb Poe has been doing good in practice. <laughs> yeah, so. Second, guys. With Poe, Poe's an interesting one because I watched him a lot at training camp, and I thought he did a really good job. Now, and he improved a lot. Then you watch the preseason game, and he did tremendous against the run. You know, over a 90 grade as far as PFF against the run. Then you look at his pass grade, and it's 13. I mean, uh, right now, Jason Poe, I know they say he wins one-on-ones all the time. Jason Poe is a guy that's developing. So I'm really excited about his development. Where he's at, though, I don't know. I don't know exactly where you know he's at as far as his development. I haven't got to see him in like a week. Um, so I'm curious to see how he looks against Minnesota in this game. But I think that, you know, he's he's gonna he's gonna make an impact. I think he's gonna be there uh all the way to the the final cuts. And let's see how he handles it. And uh John says Madden came out today. Truck stick that like button. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> I really appreciate that, John. That's a good one. Okay, here we go. Back to it. Sorry, guys. A little bit throat issue. Um, but I'm back on it. Abel says, with Trey as a starting quarterback, it can be a real possibility that Danny Gray's Offensive Rookie of the Year. You know, with Danny Gray, is how many opportunities he's going to get. You know, I think that Kyle Shanahan really wants to play Danny Gray in certain situations and get him matched up, you know, in certain ways. I mean, in that preseason game, uh, one of the reasons that it really worked out was the motion of Tyler Croft to the outside. It's Kyle Shanahan scheming it up. They go ahead, and he knows his zone coverage, so he gets the corner uh, moving out a little bit. And then you get Danny Gray in the slot against a safety. <clears throat> and I thought that that was a great call by Kyle Shanahan, and he really got it going. So, uh, yeah, it was it, it's a good call by him, and I think he's going to take advantage of those situations. Let's see how many opportunities Danny Gray gets, and he's able to you know do big things. So uh, SG says, I wish you good luck on your YouTube channel and hope you reach 3,000 subscribers. You make as much great content with, with this channel will grow in the long run. Thank you so much, SG Sports Talk. I really appreciate the kind words. Thank you so much. Eric Dane says, let's just hope Trey doesn't get caught up in Minnesota night scene. Uh, could be tempting for a younger guy. I don't think we're going to get that out of Trey, luckily. I think Trey is one of those guys I'm really comfortable with. 
as far as how he goes about his business and carries himself. Um, he's a he's a true professional. Uh, Trey Lance is a real true professional, and I I love that about him. I think um, that's one thing that I never question about him, and one of the reasons I'm excited about him being quarterback one. Um, let's see. Gold Rush says, "Don't forget to like." Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, you're on right now, and you haven't had the opportunity to like. Go ahead and like the video. I really appreciate that. That would mean a lot. And yes, we're on the you know on the mission to get 3K subs. So if you have if you're new on the channel, you haven't had a chance to subscribe or you've been waiting to see if you enjoy the content, you want to subscribe, I'd really appreciate that. Getting ever so close. Uh, as of today, earlier, it was 23 subscribers away. So we're almost there. So thanks, everyone. Also, thanks, everyone that listens to the audio platforms and made the last week of content the most listened to in the history of 49ers Cutback. Thank you so much for that as well. You guys are really knocking it out of the park. Um, so I'm enjoying it. And Eric comes through with, the comment that I've been waiting for, throat fatigue, question mark. Yeah, apparently so. All of a sudden, my throat just started bugging me. So I'm sorry, Eric. I'm battling through it right now. No injury will keep me down. I will continue to go through this episode. Yeah, it, it happens sometimes for whatever reason, uh, and that gets it. <laughs> and then BV follows up. You're doing great. A flying solo ant. Wash hands. <laughs> well done. Oh, I love that. You guys are killing it. And then David Villa says, anyone got Hall's cop drop? Oh, you guys are on a roll, and I love it. Uh, Juanito says, when are the next cuts deadline, and who do you feel is on the list? So I actually got asked this earlier in the week about who's on the list for the cuts. The next cuts are coming on August 23rd. It's the it's next Tuesday. The Forges are going to have to cut to 80. And making the decision on some of these guys is going to be interesting. Um, but I mean, some of the guys that, you know, you think right away is a guy like King Crowley that they're playing a lot right now. It could be King Crowley. Uh, King Crowley's a, a veteran in this league, but he's a guy he brought, they brought in because of injuries. The fact that you're bringing Emmanuel Mosley back up to speed, maiming Crowley, it could be a guy that's gone. I think he's, he's potential. I think, uh, Saguna Luby, the, one of the linebackers, I think now is the time you cut from the linebacker position and he could be one of those. The fact that McCurry Ball's been playing really good and Jeremiah Gamel's been playing good. Um, Gemmel could also be, you know, a potential cut, but I think it'll be a Luby. And then Kevin Atkins, you know, the defensive tackle out of Fresno State, I think he's a potential uh, guy to get released. Um, and as far as the next cuts, uh, he's played well. He's done a really good job, but potentially he could go. Sam Schluter, uh, the undrafted free agent out of Minnesota. He's been playing left tackle. He's improved immensely since the first time I saw him at training camp. He's just gotten better and better, but it's probably coming to that time for him to get released. And then it's probably going to be a wide receiver. And depending on who plays well against Minnesota, it could be Tay Martin. That's who I kind of see it being a young undrafted free agent. I think Austin Mack had himself a good training camp. I've been high on Austin Mack. Uh, the problem is Austin Mack didn't make plays in the game. He got open, but he didn't finish those. And he needs to finish those plays. So, I'm hoping that he's going to get, you know, get better and get out there, but um, we'll, we'll see. But I think those guys are some of the guys that I've been thinking about potentially could be a part of the next cuts. It's always unfortunate when they get cut, but then you see situations like today where Keyshawn Johnson, the veteran wide receiver, ends up in Atlanta. So getting released doesn't mean your journey's over. It just means your current journey changes. You go a different way. So um, I, I think that, you know, potentially that's what's going to happen. And 49 Fogey says, hey, rub some dirt on it. Yeah, I'll just rub some dirt on my throat. Uh, get back in there. Abel saying throat fatigue, throat fatigue. It's a thing. Grant, Grant Cone voice. 
Oh, geez, that's so great. Um, yeah, no, I'm I, throat fatigue could could have got me right, but I'm pushing through. Uh, just like Trey, I I don't miss. I just keep coming out here and letting it get done. Um, but if you guys start counting my reps, I don't know, counting my practice reps, it might not work out good for me. But well done so far, chat. You guys are killing it. I'm I'm really enjoying this chat overall. You guys are doing a great job, which I'm I'm enjoying. Uh, SG Sports Talk says, when analyzing the San Francisco 49ers schedule and which games are you looking forward to watching this season? Uh, I think there's a few. And I think one of the ones I'm really interested in seeing is that matchup against the Denver Broncos. It's Russell Wilson again, but it's the first like real big test. I mean, Chicago, uh, you know, you never take them for granted, but the 49ers should be able to go in there and win the football game. Seattle Seahawks don't have an answer at quarterback right now. I mean, it could get a lot more interesting if Jimmy Garoppolo ends up in Seattle, but he's not there right now. So I think that those two games are not as exciting as Denver Broncos will be. I think that one's a really exciting one. And then after that, I go, I look at the Rams game. I think that's going to be another one right off the bat. You know, how do you respond after the NFC Championship game? I know the Foyer is going to want to come out there and get them. Uh, so I'm excited about that. But I think those are two right off the bat within the first you know, five games of the year that you, you're looking at as potential. Like these are going to shape the way the early part of the season goes. And I think the Foreigners have opportunities to win all those games. If they go out and they beat Denver, I think it's a really good sign about how, how this season's going to go. So I'm very excited about it. Um, and I, I think so. I think it'll be good. Eric says, if Sermon said, if Sermon and Mason were both undrafted, you think Mason would be ahead of Sermon on the depth chart? Um, I think it would be a lot closer. I really do. I, as far as I think it would, as far as they would both be in their second year, if they were both rookies right now, I think Mason would be ahead of Sermon uh, for the mere fact that right now Mason's running a little bit better. But Sermon's vision has definitely improved from last year. I think him being a third-round pick does give him a little bit of an edge. Uh, I do like Sermon a lot still. I mean, I know he didn't have a great performance in this game. I'm curious to see what he does. But if, you know, if Sermon doesn't step it up in the next couple games, he's going to get passed by. And that's not even a guarantee that Mason makes the team. Sermon and Mason could be on the outside looking in because Jermichael Hastie's been playing his butt off. And if you go with uh, Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, TDP, and Jermichael Hastie, you could see a situation where Sermon and Mason are on the outside looking in. So it's one of those interesting ones. So I think... You know, you're gonna you're gonna see these guys are gonna have to go out there and play it out. So we'll see. Uh KNDR says, yeah, and watch the throw fatigue. You're starting to sound like a bit like horsed. Ouch. Woo. Uh sound a bit horsed. I love that. Uh that was that was well played, KNDR. Well played. Uh exactly. Ronnie Motoy says, Ant, did you see Kinlaw lawn chair the Vikings guard today? I absolutely loved it, Ronnie. That is the Javon Kinlaw that I'm looking forward to seeing. An interior pass rush that's going to absolutely collapse this pocket on top of the quarterback. That's what you want. You can get that penetration up the middle of the field uh, with Bosa and Ebucom coming from the outside. They're going to collapse the pocket right on top of these quarterbacks. So, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, I think that was cool to see. I think it, we're just seeing Kinlaw get healthier and healthier and better and better. He's getting more comfortable with his reps. So, yeah, it's excited. I, I'm really excited about all of that. I really am. Oh, SG says he's a legend on the cone phone. And uh, there you go. Well done. Yeah. Uh, if you're a legend on the cone phone, keep keep it up. Keep it up. Get it going. Uh, that's that's fun. Um, Bermis says, I'm excited to see more Jeff Wilson this year. Hope he stays healthy. He runs so angry. Yeah. I mean, I've loved Jeff Wilson Jr. so far in training camp. Um, like I said, my favorite run that happened this year in training camp was from Jeff Wilson Jr. 
he's running to the right side and he sees the hole. He gets vertical, uh, but he goes just to the left. As he gets through the line of scrimmage, a, a linebacker is coming to make a play and he absolutely puts his right foot in the ground and goes to the left. And I mean, and with violence, he runs past this linebacker and then he gets to the next level and he makes a little move getting past the safety and then is outrunning the safety as he hits a stiff arm. It was a fantastic uh, run, great vision, a great explosiveness. And it was fun to see the guy, people around go, wait, wait, who was that? Who was that? And then you're like, that's Jeff Wilson Jr. They're like, what? Jeff Wilson Jr. looks fast this year. Yeah, he looks healthy and ready to go. And that's exciting. You got a, a running back like Jeff Wilson Jr. that can add reps you know, to what Elijah Mitchell does already. Because Elijah Mitchell, don't get me wrong, has looked like the absolute best running back in camp. But Jeff Wilson Jr. getting back and getting healthy is important because he can handle all roles. Him and Elijah Mitchell can they can run, they can block, they can catch. And that's ex that's awesome to have. When you have do-it-all running backs, it makes it a lot easier. That way your specialized guys that are continuing to develop like TDP can stick in those short-yarded situations and aren't asked to be volume carry guys in their rookie season. Um, so those are all things to continue to watch. You know, And I, I like the running back room overall. There's a lot of really, really talented players. Uh, able to just imagine the D-line with Bosa, Kinlaw, and Drake Jackson. Woo! Yeah, I think Drake Jackson's going to be a guy that handles pass rush situations early. I think he's going to be a specialized pass rusher. And then I think eventually he ends up, you know, coming in there and being a guy that can maybe next year take over for Samson Ebucom. But Ebucom and Aminahue being uh, free agents next year, it, it, it hurts a little bit, uh, but it, it makes it a little bit easier when you get a guy like Drake Jackson has a tremendous amount of athletic ability. He's just got to develop with his hands, uh, continue to work on his craft because some of the things he did at USC didn't help his development a whole lot, but I do think he's going to get there. I mean, I'm excited about Drake Jackson. He's He's been tremendous so far through training camp. I think we saw that he had ups and downs in the game, and that's kind of the reason I think he's going to be a specialized pass rusher. I don't think he's ready to play base four, three downs yet and set the edge against the run, but it's going to come. And you got to love the athletic ability and hustle that he showed as well. Um, so yeah, uh, Eric Dates, my concern is what if Mason is the next Mitchell, but they let him go. That would be upsetting. I mean, the one difference between Mason and Mitchell is speed. Uh, Mitchell's a lot faster than Mason, but Mason's a fun guy. I mean, he, he runs with more physicality. He has less fluidity in his hips. Uh, he's not as elusive as Mason or Jeff Wilson Jr., so it was a little bit of a different style of running back than those two guys. But you're right. I mean, you always run the risk of potentially missing out, you know, on a big time running back if you cut him. Uh, you have to make sure they get the reps. And I think they're going to make sure he gets the reps in this Minnesota game. There's going to be opportunities for sure for him. Um, so I, I think I think we can be excited at least about that. Juanita says, any word on Mitchell? Is he out there at all running reps with the first team? No, Mitchell is working on a side field. They're taking hit real slow. He's having the hamstring problems. They have hamstring issues all over the place right now. But him, Tarverius Ward, and those guys were working on a side field today. So I think they're gearing up, making sure those guys are ready for week one. I don't expect to see any of those guys for preseason, which why would you at this point? Rest them, make sure they're healthy, ready to go. But when you go to Chicago, Elijah Mitchell's back there and ready to take those snaps. And if something happens, you have a Jeff Wilson Jr., um, you know, potentially Trey Sermon, TDP, or Jordan Mason that can take a bulk of snaps because those guys can definitely take on a lot of carries. Uh, Blur says, how is Trey Lance's development during another defense coming at him? It's good. You know, I mean, the fact that Trey Lance is able to decipher what defenses are throwing at him and still get the ball out. And then some of the off-schedule things he did today. I mean, being able to roll to the right on fourth and, you know, and long and be able to throw across his body and across the field to Debo Samuel to pick up the first down. There's not very many quarterbacks in this league 
that can handle that, and Trey Lance can do that. Uh, what Trey Lance's you know calling card is is he's just cool as a cucumber in that pocket. He's got great movement in there. He can climb the pocket. He can move around. He's elusive. Always got his eyes looking down the field to throw. Those are nice traits I like about Trey. So I think Trey's going to be just fine. I'm excited about him overall, and I think he's going to keep getting better and better. And then as far as with him and Debo, they're they're continuing to work on their relationship. As far as him and Debo have been striking, I end of training camp really did enjoy the way that they were. Uh, he was getting him the ball, and he was getting him and get him the ball where Debo Sam is most successful over the middle of the field with opportunities to run. You know, and that was something Kyle Shane had talked about in his presser today is that they were a little off. You know, there's a couple balls behind Debo Samuel on RPOs, uh, those rhythm throws right now. But Debo's a lot. I mean, sorry, uh, Trey's a lot better at those this year than he was last year, and he's throwing with less velocity. So. Uh, they're more catchable football. So Trey overall is improving. He's working on his chemistry with Debo Samuel and George Kittle, and I think he's going to get there. It just takes time and reps, um, but they're working on it. They're working on it for sure. Um, yeah, and J John says that the ha they're halfway through the 100 list. Will the Foyers have at least five more players? I think they're going to get eight. I really do. I think they're going to get eight. So uh, Cal uh, Cal he says, Ant, any news on how Hufunga looked in, co in coverage today? Hufunga wasn't mentioned very much. Hufunga did a good job. Him and George Odom held it down. The problem today was the corners. The corners were definitely struggling, but that's what you would expect going against Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Those dudes are just good, uh, and they're going to make backup cornerbacks look like backup cornerbacks. That's what you wanted to see where these guys were, and I don't think the 49ers defense was surprised at all about how you know this went as far as the Minnesota Vikings uh, cornerbacks, I mean, Minnesota Vikings wide receivers against their backup cornerbacks. I think that's why it was Lenore and Crawley today. I won't be shocked if it's Kadar Holman and Ombre Thomas tomorrow. Um, so they're, they're going to continue to work on it. They're going to continue to work on it. And Crawley says, Mason reminds me of Marion Barber. I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty, comp, pretty good comp there. Ronnie Montoya says, should we be concerned about right tackle? I think we can be concerned about right tackle if, you know, Mike McGlinchey's not going to be ready for week one. McGlinchey's not going to be ready for week one, then there's com some concern there. Now, of, co of course, Colt McKivitz right now would man that position. I've been one that said yesterday that if Daniel Brunskill could get healthy, Daniel Brunskill could play right tackle. Uh, Trey Lance today today said, you know, we need to get Dan back. We, we can't wait to get Dan back. I don't know if he meant for the center position or if he meant for the tackle position, but uh, yeah, questions right now about Mike McGlinchey definitely mean there needs to be some focus paid there. And if Mike McGlinchey's not going to be back, then you have question marks. Now, Colt McKivitz has had the best training camp that he's ever had as a, as a 49er. He looked good. Um, and I think he's going to continue to get better. He's a guy that's been playing left and right. But let's see what happens and how he does in the next, you know, tomorrow uh, with practices, see how comfortable he gets playing on the right side. He's been taking a lot of snaps on the left. And then let's see how he does in the Minnesota game. And let's see how Colt McKivitz continues to develop in that game against Houston because I don't expect to see McGlinchey again. And then we'll, we'll figure out what's going to happen at right tackle. But yeah, as of right now, I think it has to be a concern with the fact that McGlinchey got hurt. Uh, and what's up, Kelts Chronicles? Welcome to chat. Uh, always good. Uh, Real Talk Niner talks to say it, bro. It's Silverado uh, Kev. LOL. Using the channel sign-in. Just found out about your show the other day, but definitely enjoy your content. Thanks so much. Uh, Real Talk 49er Talk is a good one. So if, if you guys are uh, you know, looking for something to watch, you can watch Real Talk 49er Talk. They do a good job. Uh, I, ch I check it out sometimes and watch it. So uh, yeah, it's fun. Uh, KNDR says, do you watch the mic'd up with Huff? I haven't had an opportunity to watch that, but I'm going to get into that. So, yeah, I definitely need to check that out. I love Hufanga as far as, I mean, the dude's been handling business. So I, I've really been, really been enjoying it. 
Um, David Villa says Hufanga was just practicing on the those destructive, powerful hits he likes to the opposition and offensive players. Uh, he's definitely been imposing his will. That's what you want. You want that physicality. You want them to be able to get it. Um, and now people are going to have to fear about Hufanga hitting you when you come over the middle of the field. Enforcers in football are a real thing. They'll change your your thought process. When you're coming across the middle, all of a sudden you start looking around. Um, you start short-arming things. So having a guy like Hufanga is important. And he can definitely influence the way that offenses want to attack you know, the field because all of a sudden somebody short-arms something, the ball goes uh, to a defender and it's an interception. So those are really nice to have. Rooster said, Heard Debo is a little overweight coming into the season. What kind of impact will that have on your opinion? Heard that from Grant Cohn. I did also read that. I believe that Grant Cohn said he was a little bit overweight. I don't know if that's confirmed. I think Debo Samuel looks pretty close to the same weight. Uh, when I saw him at training camp every day, I saw him. He looked the same as he did last year. So uh, if he was overweight, it wasn't by a lot. Um, but I, the one thing I know about Debo Samuel, he's gonna get in. You know, he's gonna get in shape. He's gonna work hard. Uh, he he knows what's expected of him. And so uh, Debo Samuel's been known to do this a little bit since South Carolina to sometimes come in a little overweight. But I don't even know what they wanted his weight to be. That is between the 49ers um, training staff and Debo Samuel. All these players have a certain weight they want them to play at. What Debo's is, I don't know. And could he have put on a little bit of weight if he's expected to uh, carry some of the load in the running back room? Yeah, he could have. Uh, so depending on that, I don't know for sure, but I didn't think at least if he was considered overweight, it wasn't overweight that much. So, um, but I didn't see it. Not from what I saw. Um, Mr. Corey says, Ant, please go get Treader now. Uh, Mr. Corey is ready. He wants to get Treader. Treader is still a free agent. Don't know when Treader is going to get signed, if he gets signed. Um, so, yeah. And uh, Eric Dane says, no such thing as Debo being overweight just means uh, the bowling ball got a little bit bigger. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, when it comes down to it, I don't, as long as Debo's able to do all the things that he can do, uh, still hit the same speed, do all the things that, you know, he does in this offense. I mean, as long as the Niners are comfortable with his weight, I don't think it matters what he weighs. The one thing he is is physically imposing when he gets the ball in his hands. I mean, he'll run you over, uh, but still has enough acceleration to be able to, you know, get where he wants to go. I mean, think about all the acceleration plays he made last year uh, for the 49ers, whether that was in screens or running out of the backfield absolutely fantastic and the dude is really really good um so i i love debo samuel on this offense and whatever weight they're comfortable at i'm good with it if they wanted him to be uh you know over that's fine with me as well i'm good with it uh blur says are you comfortable with mcglinchy on the right side i worried about his pass blocking um blur if it was like a situations where we're gonna have third and longs or we're gonna be um consistently playing from behind i'm with you then i'm worried about mike mcglinchy if we're in situations where the run game's going to get going and he, we're going to be able to move the pocket and he's going to be able to do some pass blocking, you know, in slide protection and also moving the pocket, the, you know, boots and things like that, then I'm very comfortable with Mike McGlinchey and pass blocking. You know what you're going to get out of him. So I think that determines how exactly and what kind of play we get out of McGlinchey. I've always said he's better when we're running the football well. And that can be said about a lot of the 49ers offensive linemen because they draft him as run first guys. So they develop in the pass blocking area. And if you're going to put them in traditional kick slides or situations where it's third and long where the defense knows that you're going to pass, those are going to be tougher for Mike McGlinchey. But uh, I thought McGlinchey was having his best year last year before his injury. And I think that, you know, as long as he's healthy, he can bounce back. And uh, I don't I don't worry about McGlinchey being out there. Do I think there's going to be an occasional play where it gets beat? Absolutely. But I think you could say that about pretty much every player in the league. 
Um, there's not very many guys that can have clean, you know, clean days like like good old uh, Trent Williams. Rotox says, we haven't had the type of enforcer since Golson and, and Hitner. Uh, definitely good to have that back. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that's one thing we haven't had in a while. Those guys that can come in and absolutely, you know, clean you up. Uh, you know, and, and that attitude is being brought by Aziz, Dre, and Fred as well. It can be contagious. You know, if these guys start flying around and hitting people, uh, it's, and that defense starts to get into that attitude, I think that would be really nice. So uh, definitely excited about that. Um, let's see. Thomas T-Bone, thank you so much for the subscription. I want to shout out Thomas T-Bone for that. Really appreciate you joining the Cutback Crew. Thank you so much. Uh, on the quest for 3,000, so that, that really means a lot, and welcome. Let's see. Sean says, uh, Cleveland Center is out for the year. Treader might go back. That would make sense. Yeah, so Treader might come off the market now. If if I did not know Cleveland Center was out, uh, but yeah, that would make a lot of sense for them to go ahead and, and bring Treader back, depending on what he's asking for. I mean, for some reason, these teams have not been interested, or he hasn't been interested in signing, so we'll see what happens with that. And uh, 49 Faithful Forever says, Skule getting cut next wave. I don't think it happens then. I think that Skule may make it past the 85 to 80. I think Sluter gets cut from the offensive line going from 85 to 80. But I think Skule is definitely one of those guys that ends up not making this 53-man roster. But I do think it's a lot closer than I would have thought it was, you know, even a couple weeks ago. So uh, you're, you're, not, you know, you're not off on that 49ers Faithful. I, I think that that's coming. Uh, Rooster says, I think McGlinchey on the right side will work out for run games for sure. Uh, lots of openings going to happen with the right side. Yeah, him and Spencer Burford working together could be fantastic. Uh, I'm definitely excited about that. And Kali says, Hufanga and DFF was cracking, dude. Skulls. Yeah, DFF's tackle. I mean, it, 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 was, it was awesome. I, I love that tackle from DFF. He looked like an absolute enforcer. And, I mean, just think, this guy used to be a safety who was an undersized linebacker, and now he's starting to hit like a legit linebacker. His understanding of this defense was on display because he was out there making things happen. Uh, the guy the guy playing Mike for the first time, and he's just handling business, putting people in the right positions. Got to be encouraged about what DFF was doing. And I thought, you know, if you had any questions about who the five linebackers are going to be, the way DFF and Oren Burks played against Green Bay, I think they solidified themselves as the top five guys, which is crazy to say because... Uh, McCrary Ball is a really good football player, too. He's a guy that I'm excited about. I just don't know if he's going to be able to impact 2022. I think he's more than likely going to impact 2023 if they can get him on the practice squad and keep him there. So those are things to continue to monitor. Hell says 49ers are worldwide, every style, every age, from Ammon the Dream to 49ers Fogies, everything in between. Warriors community is the best. Two years ago, I had zero idea any of this existed. Faithful Rise Up. Well done, Kelts, and you do such a good job as well. Uh, so awesome. I, you're right from, you know, the young guy, I'm in the dream all the way to 49 fogies. You're right. Everyone, um, everyone's about it. You know, and there's lots of really cool uh, content out there, whatever you're looking for. Eric Danson, since the offense and defense both seem to be designed to play with a lead, do you think they should consider it longer deferring the opening kickoffs? Um, you know what? I don't know. You know, I think it depends on what team you're playing, you know, how the weather is, uh, where the, the stadium is located, which which side is going to be um, going into the sun at which time, uh, if there's a wind. I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. Believe it or not, there's a lot of things you have to think about, even with you know a coin toss. Because if you know you win the coin toss, it's not as easy as like, oh, I want the ball or oh, I want to defer. Uh, there's a lot of situations that you have to think about. And 
Um, I think that's one thing Kyle Shanahan definitely thinks about, and that's why at times he takes the ball and at times he doesn't. And in certain situations, you want to get up on the team early. In other situations, you want to go ahead and sh- shut them down so you get a short field. Um, so it just depends. And I think there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of times the 49ers do both. So we'll see. Uh, Ronnie Matoy says, any word on Willie Sneed? He, he's been awfully quiet. Yeah, Willie Sneed was out there. I saw him the last few days of training camp. I thought he did a, a really good job. Um, but, you know, he, we didn't see a whole lot from him in the game. In fact, I don't remember seeing him. So let's see. Maybe Willie Sneed just wasn't up to snuff as far as understanding the offense. And let's see what happens now if he gets a lot of reps against Minnesota. I like Sneed. I like him on special teams especially. And he's a savvy veteran that understands what you need to do. I mean, anytime you get 1,000 yards in this league, you you deserve to be here. So Willie Sneed being with the 49ers is kind of fun. But we'll see. I think that they got you know those five guys up top. And I don't know if any of these veterans – or young players are going to be able to crack that top five. Do they keep a six guy? I don't know. Might want to keep a young player at another position, uh, whether that's defensive line, offensive line, or because of injuries, you know, secondary. They're going to have to make some tough decisions, and one of those tough decisions could be you're releasing a, a guy like um, Willie Sneed, who's a good football player. I really like him, but at least the Niners have had him in at practice, um, so that's really good. So let's see. Blur says, do we win this division this year? Yeah, I think we do. You know, I, I I'm... I'm one of those ones that's a proponent of them winning the division. I know a lot of people have uh, been talking about, you know, the Rams are going to win, the Niners are going to win the the wild card. But, you know, I'm, I'm firmly behind this team and this defense. And I think you're going to boast one of the top three defenses in the league, probably the number one defense in the league. Uh, you have an opportunity to win every single football game you, you're in. And the fact that Trey Lance has been able to operate the offense the way he does with such command and, and with such calmness, um, I think you have to like the fact that they have a good opportunity to win the West. And uh, the, the fact that they've beat the Rams, you know, a lot of times over the last few years means that's the number one team. So if you get wins over those teams with the kind of the downtrodden away that Seattle looks right now, uh, that's those are wins that you haven't been winning over the last couple of years. So, yeah, I think the Niners have a really good chance. I think it would I think they can definitely win the West. <clears throat> and then Seth says last time Snead is was good Trey Lance was in high school. Oh, well said, Seth. And Seth is my guy. He used to be my quarterback when I coached. Uh, one of my favorite, if not probably more, probably my favorite quarterback. Love Seth. Uh, me and Seth were on a different level. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Sneed. Yeah, he, he hasn't been doing a lot in a long time, you know. But uh, we'll see. You never know. When you go play for Kyle Shanahan, you always have opportunities all of a sudden to go out and make some plays. Uh, so I'm I'm excited about that. I'm excited about, you know, need being in this offense because I like these guys out there. I think there's a lot of really, really cool guys that, you know, get a chance in Kyle Shannon's offense, which is nice. Um, Mr. Chakra Gaming says, Vikings fan here. Hope our boys can provide some good competition in practice and everyone stays healthy. Yeah, I love that. And I like the fact that, you know, both teams are working together. We only had the one scuffle, uh, you know, and the Niners quickly got their guy out of practice. I think Minnesota handled their business as well. We don't need that, but it's a lot of good work, you know, and there's a lot of talented players on both teams. Might as well get better, especially if you're not scheduled to play each other during the regular season. It's good work, you know, and I love that. And I love the fact that these two teams can work together. I think that there are similarities between some, you know, between some issues uh, or some uh, facets of the game. And then I think that Minnesota providing a different look on defense from what Trey Lance has seen so far is going to be very important for him in his development because he's gotten used to see the 49ers defense and boy have they been all over him so uh, it's it's good it's also good for our young corners to have to go against 
I mean, two of the best wide receivers in the league. So I've been excited about that and just letting these guys get better and better. So uh, thanks for checking in, uh, Mr. Chakra Gaming. I really appreciate that. Mr. Corey says, I think we sweep the division. Not kidding. The Rams lost like uh, five starters. Um, Seattle sucks and Arizona is erratic. Arizona's problem is late in the year. And, you know, they're going to be getting DeAndre Hopkins back at some point, probably right before the Niners play them in Mexico City. The fact the 49ers don't have to play in Arizona but play that game in Mexico City, it could end up being a basic home game for the Niners. So, yeah, you're you're right. You know, that's that's a possibility. They could sweep. That would be absolutely impressive because the NFC West has been really good for a lot of years. The Niners sweep the NFC West. They are for sure winning the division. That would be impressive, Mr. Corey. That would be impressive. I would love that. Uh, Blur says he had high hopes for Omri Thomas. Uh, where is he on the depth chart? I think right now Omri Thomas uh, kind of nestled there in the the you know the the fourth cornerback uh, spot. Um, I mean, as far as outside corners, I mean, Diomedo Lenore has outperformed him, but today it didn't look like Lenore had a good day. So Omri Thomas though through training camp has definitely struggled. I think he's right now he's the you know fourth outside corner. I think they wish they had Jason Verrett uh, because Verrett would be that number three guy, but. I'm hoping Omri Thomas is going to get more and more comfortable uh, and through the year, and then you know he's just going to step up. But yeah, he's definitely struggling a little bit. I had high hopes coming out of last year for him as well, and I think he's still got a lot of development to do. Um, the good news is he has time to do it, so um, we'll we'll see. As long as Tarverius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley are healthy, I feel pretty comfortable. If Omri Thomas had to come in as a backup, I feel better than you know last year when we had Josh Norman coming in. But I, I think the 49ers definitely want to hurry up and get Jason Brett back so they feel a lot more comfortable, you know, with that cornerback situation. Because right now on the outside, um, besides those two guys right there, I don't think you're feeling like really, really good about it. Uh, Eric Dane says another benefit of the defense was being able to keep D'Amico Ryans for another year. So solid improve over time and D'Amico could do the same. Yeah, I think it's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt D'Amico Ryans is going to get better. And that's crazy to say because he was fantastic last year. D'Amico Ryans was pulling the right strings, getting the guys in the right spots. Um, he, he's really good. So I think D'Amico, you know, understanding what he's going to be seeing from some of these teams, uh, he's just going to have a better plan. And I think that's really good for the Niners. I really do. Uh, D'Amico Ryans is going to be a head coach in this league, and it's probably going to be after the year. But, um, you know, we're, we're at least going to be able to take advantage of it. Sure. Uh, Kelt says, Sermon still looks hesitant. TDP instantly looked decisive and strong. What's your thoughts on how the second running back spot shakes out? Um, you know what? Right now, I, I I think that Sermon did look hesitant in this game for whatever reason because he looked so much better at training camp. But when he got into the game, he wasn't being decisive. He wasn't getting into some of those holes uh, on his you know outside runs. He wasn't getting vertical when he should have. So we're, we're going to see. I think they're going to give him an opportunity um, to go ahead and get it. And right now, he is the next running back. Running back two is Jeff Wilson Jr., in my opinion. I think it's Elijah Mitchell, then Jeff Wilson Jr. And then I think it has been Sermon by how they've given um, the reps, you know, and just where they've had him playing with the ones when those other two guys are out. And then TDP after that, or actually Jermichael Hasty too. Uh, so I think TDP is going to get an extra run in this game. I think we're going to see more of him, Sermon, and Mason than we've seen so far. And then we'll get an idea. And let's see if Sermon can step it up. And if he can't, you're probably going to see, you're right, TDP overtake him. It's not going to be easy. Uh, fishing says, are you more worried about our O-line, uh, or the 49ers hamstrings? I'm, I'm worried about the hamstrings. <laughs> I want these guys to be healthy for week one. I think the offensive line is going to figure it out. Chris Furster does a really good job developing these guys. You know, and I've seen some of the backups have good days. I've seen Colton McKivis develop. 
think Colton McKivitz is a lot like Mike McGlinchey in the fact that he's better against the run, struggles a little bit against the pass, but he's much improved in traditional pass sets. I mean, what I saw in training camp was a far cry from what I've seen in the past. So uh, he's actually looking like an offensive tackle at times, which I believe he, you know, looked more comfortable at guard la you know, the last couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I'm more I'm more worried about those hamstrings for sure. Uh, John says, we've struggled defensively against mobile quarterbacks, in my opinion. I'm a bit more worried against Kyler compared to Stafford. Yeah, in years past, John, I mean, you're you're spot on. And a lot of it had to do with the edge rushers for the 49ers not being as athletic. A lot of that goes to, like, Armstead playing in base 4-3 downs, uh, Kerry Hyder in 2020. Um, you know, that's a situation you have to worry about now because you have tremendous athletes playing on that edge now. You have Nick Bosa. You have uh, Samson Ebucom. Both of those guys are going to be out there, you know, doing the thing. So, those guys are tremendous athletes. And then you've seen Kamoko Ture running people down. The Niners added edge rushers who are athletic. And the more and more they go to this NASCAR package and the Arden Key role, where they go ahead and they throw Charles Aminahue and guys like that on the inside, more athletes to be able to chase down these uh, quarterbacks. And before it was chasing. Now they're going to actually hopefully get to them. But you're right. That is something the Niners have struggled with pretty consistently over the years. Uh, Sean Buller said, do you think E-Man and Seaward play week one? I do. I think both of them are going to do it. I think they're going to get it done, and uh, that's going to be good news for the 49ers. Uh, WTM says, do you believe the Niners have a bottom-tier O-line? I don't think it's bottom-tier. I think right now it's 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 probably you know 20th right now. I think they've got a lot of development to do. I think if Burford wouldn't have come on the way he is, and this is, of course, with McGlinchey playing. Um, if Burford does, hadn't come on the way he did, I think we'd have even more concerns. But I think right now there's just you know the unknown with Aaron Banks. I think he showed out against Green Bay. I thought he did a really good job against Green Bay, and I think we're going to look to see him continue to develop uh, Spencer Burford as well. And then, you know, Brendel had a good game against Green Bay. He really did. So we'll see how these guys continue to develop. But with whenever you have Trent Williams, you're automatically in the, you know, top two-thirds of the league uh, just because he's fantastic. And McGlinchey's one of the best run blockers in the league. So as long as he's healthy, those two guys together make you a really good football team. So, um, yeah, I think they can still get it done. Um Eric Gaines is sweeping the division. Isn't that crazy? Seahawks are bad. Kyle owns McVay. And Kyler Murray needs to be told to do his homework. Well said. Well said. I'm not going to argue. Uh, John says, I think Sermon did good, uh, in my opinion. Two of his runs were blow up for loss at the line, which showed the yards per attempt and stat, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I thought overall his his uh, game wasn't as bad as the reps. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you on that. I just thought there was a couple of times from some of the things I saw in the All-22 film where he had opportunities to get up, get vertical early, and he kind of kind of slow played it and was wasn't decisive enough enough in his acceleration. Those were causes for concern. Um, but I'm not going to throw him out and be like, oh wait, he just doesn't have it. But that's why we got two more preseason games, and I know what I've seen at training camp already, and the dude's been able to do it. So I, I think he can. You know, I, I really do. And what's up, Spy Nick Danger? Welcome to chat. I always love when Spy Nick Danger comes in. It's always a good time. Uh, DZ Egum says, you know the timeline for Jason Verrett's return. No, you know, I really don't. And Kyle kind of said, you know, he'd be surprised if Verrett was back for week one. Uh, Verrett was working on the side field today. He was out there with Charveris Ward and um, Elijah Mitchell and those guys out there. He continued to try to work back. Um, but I think that, you know, more than likely ends up on the pup list so that way they can go ahead and keep some of these other guys. Unless they believe that they need Verrett, I think, you know, having him start on the pup list and missing the first six games could be the way to go. Um, John says, who was in the scuffle? I believe it was Kevin Atkins, the defensive tackle. I don't know who it was for Minnesota. I just heard Kyle Shanahan say that he mentioned Kevin, so I think that's who it was. Uh, Blur says, do we keep both rookies at receiver? 
I think we need more depth at O-line, but I really love our receivers. Still believe our outside corners are a weakness. I think we're going to keep one one rookie at receiver that's uh, Danny Gray. I don't think, you know, the other rookie makes a team. I don't think uh, I don't think that's an opportunity for Tay Martin. I don't think he gets it done um, because they have Ray-Ray McLeod. They have Jawan Jennings, and then, of course, Ayuk and Debo. So I think that's how it plays out, and that's how it works. But and it's, a, it's a very talented room. They're very good football players. Um, so I, I think that's how it's, you know, that's how it's going to play out. You know, it, it really is. Um, Hell says this is looking like a great draft class. It really is. It's looking like a fantastic group. It looks like John Lynch knocked it out of the park. And you all knocked it out of the park on this chat. I'm going to be uh, in, in this stream right now here pretty, pretty quick. But I wanted to go ahead and thank everyone for coming through. It was an absolutely fantastic chat. You guys did a fantastic job talking about the 49ers versus Vikings joint practice and overall the state of how the 49ers look. It, it was absolutely exciting. So thanks, everyone, for coming through. Uh, it's It's been exciting. And Sean Bullard loves Danny Gray, and, and I'm with you on that. So thank you all so much. If, if you took the chance to give me a like, I really appreciate it. If you subscribe so much, uh, thank you so much for that as well. I really do appreciate that. Everything you do for the channel, you guys are fantastic. Cutback crew, couldn't do without you. Uh, so I will definitely catch you on the next one. And if you were on John Chapman's uh, Patreon, I'm going to be joining John Chapman at 4 o'clock. So you can get extra over there if you want to go ahead and check that out. So that's what I'm going to be doing here pretty soon. But until then, everyone stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.